welcome to the Hue You Know podcast, where we discuss all things relative to media and entertainment, all designed to support our career growth. From networking to breaking in the industry to climbing up the ranks, whether you're a newbie in this industry or a veteran, this podcast is for you. My name is Sherman Delaney Williams, and I am your host, executive producer, director extraordinaire. And not only do I love this industry that we work in, amazing stories that impact our industry for the better and make the world a better place, but I get to do it with some of the best creatives on the planet, and in this series, which I'm calling Lessons for the Culture, I'm bringing some of those great masterminds to the light so they can share their wisdom, insights, gains, and lessons learned for the culture. All right, all right, all right. Okay. So, we are back. Hue You Know podcast, Lessons for the Culture. I am Shirley Williams, an amazing executive producer, director, and head of strategic planning and partnerships for the iconic Hue You Know community. We are here today with a phenomenal talent, Miss Tiffany Young Lofton. She is a production expert who devises Production schedules, structures, rights, budgets, excels at building and fostering production teams that creatively and effectively produce outstanding programming. She has produced series, pilots, development projects in various genres, including docu-soap, true crime. Tiffany, we got to talk because I have the perfect true crime docu-series. Home renovation, style makeover, competition, culinary clip shows, all that. Tiffany oversees projects domestically and internationally on location and studio with staff and crew ranging from 10 to 100 people. Uh, Some of Tiffany's production credits are Beat Bobby Flay, Flippin' X's, Rachel Ray's Kids Cook-Off. Creatively, Tiffany is the writer and producer of It Is Finished a play first performed in 2012, and the screenwriter of Back in the Game, a feature-length script. She is passionate about developing programming that enhances family, faith, and social values. She is speaking my language. I love it. (laughs) Tiffany holds a Master's of Arts in producing for film and TV, specializing in production management and entertainment law. Y'all, I did not know she also specialized in entertainment law, so I'm super (laughs) excited to talk to her. And a Bachelor of Arts in Visual Media and Spanish from American University in Washington, D.C., That was a mouthful because Tiffany is a mouthful and I'm so excited to talk to you, Tiffany. You are like, like, black girl magic. Like, I need, as of right when you edit this, I need you to have magic come from my hands because that's what what she is. Welcome, Tiffany. Oh my gosh, thank you. That is such a wonderful intro and a wonderful welcome. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. And you are just as amazing. So I'm happy to be talking to you. (laughs) I am. I am just as amazing. I received that. (laughs) Okay, so Tiffany, I have so many questions for you. I'm so curious about your beginnings, your education, you're like what you're doing now you are so dope when I when I um when I got a chance to talk to you when we did our meet and greet pre-interview whatever that was I was so um touched and moved by your commitment to the community uh your stand for making sure people win people of color uh and so yeah so let's starting in the beginning because we talk to so many people who are starting in the beginning and, and a lot of this content is for them. Tell me what attracted you to this crazy industry that we work in. Well, you know, I started out saying I wanted to be a teacher. My mom, who is in the school system, was like, no, you're not going to be a teacher. <laughs> you're going to get out there and you're going to actually do. Um, and I, from there, I started, I liked writing. So I started 
dibbling and dabbling and possibly doing journalism and broadcast journalism. I went to a specialized, I went to Edward R. Murrow High School in Brooklyn, which is specialized in television and media. So from high school, I was introduced for television. And once I got that intro, I was like, oh, wait a minute, forget writing and, and journalism in that regard. I'm going all the way to TV. So I learned like the behind the scenes, how to start putting together your small videos, um, all the various like aspects to it, the creative side, the business side was the first time I was hearing about line producing. And, you know, everything I saw, I was like, the more I got to know, I was like, yeah, I enjoy making our videos. I enjoy like learning how to make the shows. But I, I've always had this other business side to me. I just like managing money. I like like figuring out contracts. Like I've always been passionate about the business side, but I knew that I was too creative of a person to just sit in an office nine to five. So when I heard about line producing, I was like, oh, that is the perfect route for me. It's like, I am doing business, but in a creative environment. And um, yes, there'll be lots of days in the office, but then I get the mix of going on set and everything. So after I heard that, like learned about that, that was it. My eyes from high school, my heart was set on line producing and production management. I'm not one of those production management people who fell into it. I actually pursued it. That was my plan from the start. And and that's where I am now. <laughs> yes to intentionality, being clear, setting the goal, and was like, I'm doing, and now you are like on top. I love that. Um, another thing, another thing that I love, I, I find a lot of producers who actually, can you just define what a line producer is? Sure. So I call the line producer like the mom of the show, right? So you have in TV, you have the creative side. So that's your producers, your directors, like everybody dealing with what's happening in front of the camera. They're considered on the creative side of the business. But there's a whole behind the cameras of TV. Honestly, at the end of the day, the show has to make money. The production company has to make money. The network has to make money. There's legal, there's logistics, there's there's everything you could think of in the, in business regard that has to happen. No matter how much fun the producers are having with dreaming big things, there are laws, there are regulations, there are things to follow and adhere to. So the line producer is the person for that show that is responsible that you're sticking to the budget, to the schedule, that you're doing things legally, safely, that all is in order, that at the end of the day, the creative vision is fulfilled, yes, but also all of the obligations of your contract to the network are fulfilled. Tiffany, you speak about line producing with so much pride and joy. I'm like, yes, uh-huh, because we need somebody who is like the mama of it all, making sure everything is buttoned up and like, a good line producer, mm-hmm. first of all, is like heaven to, shout out to one of my favorite, Edrei. Uh, I, I do a lot of work with her uh, over at Bleacher Report, one of the greatest line producers ever. But, and my original favorite line producer, Brie Frank, who is Shameless Plug, our fearless founder, who is now SVP of Hello Sunshine. But when I met her, so one thing, right, this is like, one thing I find a lot is that a, a lot of producers on that side don't really see their job as creative. But I think, that is probably one of the most creative jobs. You have to creatively figure out how you're gonna make the money work. You gotta creatively figure out how you're gonna manage all these all these uh, personalities. You gotta yes. figure out how you're gonna, when, when schedule pivots a little bit, how, creatively, how you gonna get everything back on track so we're not over budget, so we hit deadlines. Talk a yes. little bit about that. No, absolutely. I mean, everything you're saying is on point, honestly. As the line producer, you have to speak lots of languages. You have to speak every. I'm not just talking about English. You know, everybody has their own language also. And you have to be able to speak everyone's language, translate, understand what they're saying, and bring a whole team of strong-headed people, because creative people believe in their vision. They're strong, strong-minded people. You got to bring them all together peacefully and find that middle ground and, and how you're going to move forward. First and foremost, you have to understand creative, right? Because you're sitting in the meetings with them. And while you might not be taking the lead and contributing, 
idea to what's happening in front of the camera, you have to understand what it takes to make and execute their vision. So whether you want to be creative or not, you have to be creative. And like you said, like you have to think of other ways. So a lot of times in meetings, you know, it's like the producers will toss out an idea and it's not that I'm trying to con contradict what they're saying, but if we literally can't afford it or we can't get the permit from it, I have to steer them in a different direction. And with producers, they don't love to hear no. They like to hear you can do it this way instead, right? So sometimes I end up pitching creative ideas simply to steer them in a direction of something that we can afford and we can legally do. So it absolutely is a creative position. It is, um, you need a creative mind. That's why I, I ended up here because I, I recognize from the start that I have a creative mind, but I also have the business mind and it's the perfect hybrid position. So yeah, I mean, it is a lot. Like juggling the personality, we could have a whole podcast about juggling the personalities and the creativity that comes out of that and like doing it in a way that, feels approachable to people, feels like they can receive it, but at least at the same time being firm. Like some of these options, some of the things that you're presenting are not really optional. It's like, this is it. <laughs> this is it. But you got to say it in a way that is well received by the team. So yes, it takes a lot of creativity. <laughs> yes. I will say I'm one of those producers, directors who are like, you said, you said, no, no. <laughs> Me not understand a no. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Okay, Shirley. Well, here, here's here's some other options, and then you walk yeah. me through. Well, why can't we do this other? But yes, I see. Yeah. That's how we know you are friends. I yes. tell people, listen, I'm queen of A through Z. I got a backup plan for everything. My backup plans got backup plans. It's like, we're gonna. This is this is it. It's just the options are just gonna keep flowing, and that's it. <laughs> Yes, I love that. Um, also, shout out to my aunt, Zachary, who is uh, VP of production over at 1X Studios. That lady, be ha her her plan C be having a plan F. Like, I, I love it. Okay, okay, speaking of, speaking of speaking different languages, Spanish, can you give me a little, like, what, what would you say to inspire or to motivate a listener in Spanish? I just got to hear it. Oh, my gosh. I don't, oh, my gosh. I don't even know. Honestly, let me, let me tell you a little bit about my Spanish situation. So I have, I just love and admire people who are bilingual. I really do. And so I went to American University in D.C. and they actually happened to have, like, this hybrid. It wasn't a double major. It was like a hybrid major of being able to do visual media and Spanish. So I did that. And like, I studied abroad. I went to Argentina. I got there. I was like speaking it like nobody's business because there are not a lot of black people in Argentina. And so I had to like get on board, really understand this language and really speak it to just protect myself and navigate this country where there weren't many of us. So I got there. I mean, I left. I was dreaming in Spanish. I was like everything in Spanish. But what they say is true. If you don't use it, you lose it. And so like when I when I go on vacation to a Spanish speaking country, I try to get it in and practice a little bit, but I don't use it every day. So I'm rusty. I don't know. I'm gonna have to actually think about what I would say to you in Spanish. Sounds good. I should put you on the spot. <laughs> um, so, okay. So we live in a world, right, where like YouTube University is a big thing. I can I can go on lynda.com, I can go on Skillshare, I can go to all of these websites, masterclass and learn a trade, learn a skill relevant to this industry that can support me and really soaring and thriving and creating a career for myself. As someone who uh, who has all these degrees, which is amazing, you know, would you do it different? Would you recommend that people, especially if we're, if we're talking about people who have to take out loans, who don't have a big savings, right? Would you recommend people take the, you know, the, the, the college route or just go to YouTube.com? It is a great question. I get asked this question a lot. And so I will share a little bit of my story and then where I stand now. So I, you know, I got into this business at a different time. Like I'm going on 20 years of being in the business. So when I first came out, 
my master's was seen as, oh, you think you're better because hardly anyone had a master's in the industry. And I actually had to take my master's off my resume to get in the business because I was getting, yes, I was getting rejected. I would get called in for interviews because people were curious to know what my master's were about. I was spending a lot of time in the interviews talking about my master's and why I felt it was needed. And then by the end of the, the, the meeting, they'll just be like, well, we think you're overqualified. Like we want someone who's ready to roll up their sleeves and, and you know put the work in, but you probably think you already know. And that wasn't me. I'm a very humble person. Like that wasn't me at all. Um, you know, I pursued a master's because my mom has three degrees. My sister is a doctor, uh, had a doctorate in psychology. My cousin who was raised with my brother is a is an MD. So I just wanted education because it was it was rolling in my family the education. So um, that was it. And it, I didn't really have a job entryway coming out of school anyway. And it was just a good opportunity to get more education and specifically what I want to do. So I saw value in it, but it actually held me back. That was back then. Now, fast forward, the thing about it is that this industry is very, it's, it's saturated in some ways and not saturated enough. Like the, the boom of streaming now has actually made a shortage in the workforce. We need more people coming into TV. But um, at the same time, because college degrees are so rampant, it's more likely that you'll get hired with a college degree than without the days of like just putting in your experience are not the same, especially if you want to climb and move up. People are asking for a resume. They are checking the education section. So I do advise at minimum just for functioning in this world, honestly, in case you sidetrack and want to do something else too. Cause like when we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this earlier, but I, I, I believe in working for somebody else and having your plans to work for yourself right? Dual things, chasing your career and chasing your entrepreneurship. So just in case there's something else that you want to do to build yourself up, you can never go wrong with education. Do you need to go to the most expensive school? No. Go to some place that you could afford, but you could never go wrong with a bachelor's. Now, do you need a master's? For me now, once I got to the point of being past a line producer and getting into like being an EIC and now I'm an SVP or production, that's when people valued it. Then I was getting called for interviews. I still, I got a full-time job now and I still get called for other projects and like, you ready to leave? Because of my master's, it's like, now that you're in a position where you're managing a company's money, they want to know that you have the extra education. So that's where it comes in handy. Now it's like, okay, yes, your experience is great, but you got the extra education. I mean, especially with a concentration in entertainment law. The way that I read contracts, the attorneys that I work with, they're like, people stop, like, are you an attorney? No, I'm not an attorney. I just know how to read them. I know how to read those contracts. I know how to revise them. I, I know what the pitfalls to look for. So that's all stuff that I learned from my master's program. Like, yes, experience added to it, and it makes me better at it now, but the foundation came from my master's program. So now in my position, people love it. So like, look, if you're on the production management side and you are... Um, trying to go the higher route, it can help you. Do you absolutely need it? No. There are plenty of people doing my job who do not have a master's. Will it help you? Yes. Um, is it required? No. Now I'm seeing a growing thing though for writers to get the MFA, to help them into the program, um, to get into writing. A lot of the schools, like they have great alumni connections. So, you know, if you're not, if you're not making progress in writing and you do have the the extra income or you can make the financial room for MFA, then yeah, it might help you. I don't think the industry is at a point yet where you need a master's, but I do think that we're on that borderline where you should have a bachelor's. This is great. That's great. This is the first time I'm hearing information like that. Um, I, I went to acting school <laughs> and I've gotten offers to like be heads of departments within networks and, and executive levels. So yes, it's absolutely possible to move way up the ranks without degrees, but I'm also seeing the benefit in having a degree like, like what you said. So that's great. And also I've heard people say, you know, they've gone to programs more. So we know that this business is a, is a, a business built on relationships. It's built on who, you know, so yes, uh, exactly. people have gone to gone to schools for the networking purposes only, maybe because mm -hmm. they have social anxiety or they're trying to mm -hmm. learn a, that skill set or they know right. coming out 
they'll be a part of an alumni group or they will have yeah. X amount of friends and right, we move up with our peers. So I love that there's so many different ways to approach it. There's no one right way to do that. Um, what is your day-to-day like as an executive? Talk to me a little bit about that. Oh my gosh, it is hectic. I don't even think I get through my schedule the way I'm supposed to get through it every day. It is hectic. Um, but honestly, it's, it is like a cycle though. So I will talk about it a little bit more from a perspective of the cycle of a show rather than just day to day because the day to day changes depending on where we are in the show or being that like, you know, so in my job, SVP or production, I'm over all of the projects. So honestly, I could have multiple projects at different stages at any given moment. Right. So my job, the producers, they come with their vision, their dream um, in development. They start by pitching that to the network and seeing if there's a feeler or a taste for it. The network says, yay or nay, we're loving it. If they're loving it, um, the next step is that it has to have a budget and a schedule. No network is actually fully greenlighting anything without knowing how much it's going to cost them or how, how long it's going to take to make. That's where my job comes in because now the producers, they had their whole vision. They dream their dreams. But I have to break it down. Is it going to take five cameras, four cameras? Are we shooting this in one week, two weeks, two days per episode, 10 days per episode? Like what's going on? How long are we taking to edit it? Crew size. So I'm doing, I'm going in and I'm doing the Excel, the whole grid of what the schedule would be. From that, I'm creating a budget off of it. And then we go into negotiations with the network. Because of course you write a budget, say, we want this. They're like, yeah, but you can only have this, right? So this whole back and forth, like, Who's going to give? Are we going to try to figure out how to do it for less? Or are you going to give, are you going to come off the money and give us some more? You know, that's the back and forth and the negotiating. So I consider myself to be the person who closed the deals. The producers definitely sell it. They get us in the door, like they're driving the vision, but then the last element is to get the budget and the schedule approved so we can go to contracting. So my, my job is to um, close the deal. And even once we do that, I work with our attorneys for like the all, the final deal points in it. Then my team, we, you know, we secure the insurance. Um, we get into like the contracts that are needed. Like some shows need simple, basic location agreements. Like one show we're working on now needs a more complicated lo- location agreement. So we get into those details about it. The producers will do their interviewing of who they want to work for them, but no one only production actually hires people. Only production can make offers and negotiate your rates with them. So thankfully I'm, I'm at a place in my career now where I'm not doing all of that work myself. I do have a team that works with me that's that's doing that. But then, you know, but we meet and I, I, I create the budgets. I create the parameters that we can um, work in. So I'm having team meetings with my team to, um, give them their marching orders for making these deals and offers. I'm also meeting with the producers because a lot of the time you write the budget one way, but then, you know, creative changes, opinions changes, or you can't get a location or something that you wanted. So now we're talking about a different way of using the budget. So I'm talking to the producers and in their meetings about those changes and, and so forth. Then once we, that's, that's just pre-pro, right? And pre-pro could last of, you know, four weeks to five weeks, something like that. Um, then we go into filming on set and sometimes I don't, I don't have to be there every day, but I do go in and check on the team and it's, you know, especially during COVID, I now have that department under me also. So we're, I'm just going in, making sure that we're operating according to plan, staying on schedule, being safe. Um, you know, it's kind of like you end up being like default HR first step for people having concerns and complaining and stuff like that. So my day to day literally can include any of that. It can include just um, budget meetings, creative meetings, safety meetings. And then there's time when I need just time to work. Like I have, I'm in the middle of writing a budget right now. I'm in the middle of writing a budget right now. And also in the middle of closing out shows and doing accounting report, working with our accounting team to do our final reports. So it's like, it's in any given day, it's like I'm pulled in several, um, several directions. Yeah. It's a busy day. It's a busy thing. But again, it's like, it's always a hybrid of creative and business. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So you said a lot. One of the big questions that came to mind, right? Cause people are always trying to sell shows The the creatives or the, cause we're all creatives, but the producers, the development producers, I'm imagining they sell it and then you come in and close it. So what's some closing tips? 
Well, some closing tips. Well, they close it in terms of interest, right? I close it in terms of like, yes, we have an agreed budget. We have an agreed schedule. We're moving forward. So in terms of that side side of it, definitely knowing and understanding the network that you're pitching to because they, they pay different things. What Discovery Networks pays for a show versus what NBC Networks might pay for a show, different numbers, right? So it's understanding who you're pitching to. Um, understanding the production value that they put forward. You know, some companies, some networks are starting to move forward with 4K. Some you can shoot 4K, but you still have to deliver an HD. And so then you're like, why pay the cost of shooting and editing 4K if you can only deliver, you got to downgrade to HD anyway, right? So it's understanding those details, understanding who you're making the project for to close the deal. Um Having good relationships works, you know, like if if it's, if it's possible for you to negotiate with the same person every time, um, thankfully the networks that we work with, they do that. You have like a signed person to your company. That way it just helps, not that it changes anything necessarily, but it helps you start to develop a shorthand. You, can understand, you understand how they like the information presented. You have an idea of the questions they may ask, so you could already prepare for that. So it's good. It's just good to have network relationships and in contact. And honestly, if you have never written a budget before, I suggest that you team up with someone who has, because it's like, you know, we talk about all the energy it goes into writing a script or, you know, creating that outline for your vision. But guess what? The budget is my script. That is my big project. That is, that is the, the big creative vision that I'm creating. It's the budget the, the, and the structure. So it's not something that just anyone can do. You Can anyone learn to do it? Yes. But off the bat, can you just do it and be able to sell it and get it through? No. So I would advise that like, if you are um, about to negotiate with a big network, it's different if you're doing an independent project. But if you're going to negotiate with a network, I do advise that you team up with someone who has um, done a budget before. Uh, those are my tips. Yeah, I don't know if you have any more specific questions about it. No, that was great. Where are you currently working? I work for Rockstrom Productions, which is Bobby Flay's production company. So we primarily make cooking competition shows for Food Network. They are blessed to have you. <laughs> Thank you. I want to know, um, I feel like this industry and working within it you know, for everyone, it presents its own unique set of challenges. What has been some of your biggest challenges navigating media and entertainment? That is a, <clears throat> that is a great question. Um, I will say, I, in some ways, I feel like I'm, I'm on the other side of the hurdles. In some ways, this, the hurdles never die, right? I would say, um, Coming up, my biggest thing was <clears throat> finding that firm voice, but not being so firm where I would be stereotyped in the wrong way. Like, you know, I didn't want to be stereotyped as an angry black woman, a black woman with an attitude. So it was very much like, how do I find my voice in a way that is firm, but not intimidating? And I feel like to a certain extent, every line producer goes that goes through that. But it, to me, it's a little bit more challenging for a woman of color because of some of the misconceptions about us. Um, I and a lot. I'm really, really big on mentoring and training people. So in the beginning, I wanted to bring people along with me along the way, and at some point, it started feeling a little bit more like a burden and something I wasn't ready for. So I did have to reach a point to myself where I said, you know what? I can't actually help them if I can't help myself. I need to focus on where I'm going, focus on that. So I didn't, anyone I was helping already, I didn't cut them off, but trying to help and take on more people to help, I had to put a pause on that and just like stay with my little group of people that I was already helping and then focus on climbing the ladder. I felt like I needed to get someplace. And this is actually advice that I give back to my, the people that I've trained and now they're in higher positions. I had to get to a place where I actually had a position of power to do something where now I was like an EIC. Now I could hire people. I could recommend more of us, bring more of us in. I could actually do something for you rather than talking about what should be done. And so once I got to that position, I looked back and that's when I started um, helping more of our interns, developing some of the programs that I have because 
I just need to do that. For, I needed to do that. I felt like I, I could have a be- bigger effect, um, effect that way. So that is a little bit of advice that I do give to people. It's like, I do feel a lot of, there's a lot of pressure on us, people of color, to not just bring ourselves along, to bring our home community along. And I'm not saying that's bad at all. We do. We need to grow as a community. But there are going to be moments where you have to take some leaps for yourself so that you can reach back and help someone else. And just be, be honest with yourself. When you're reaching to a point where you're feeling like you're struggling a little bit to help everyone along, that's when you got to loosen the reins a little bit. Get to where you're going and then go back and pull for everyone. It's, it's, it's okay to pause for a moment, get yourself to a better place, and then look back. I love that. That's called responsibility and self-care another another way to define self-care I actually I resonate with this so much I was just talking to Trey uh, who's the associate producer on this podcast he's phenomenal and he also uh, works directly with me at my production company and you know I I'm often uh, the the black director I'm female, right? I mm-hmm. I talk like when you hear my voice, it sounds like a baby, yeah. right? So like when uh, I, in in some spaces I'm rare, in other spaces I'm not, but I'm often in spaces where I'm rare, and looking around, I'm constantly pushing and pushing, but it I had to get to this place of power where I could be like. No, we are going to hire people that look different. Here's a catalog. Here's a resource. Don't be lazy. Go for it. Um, But even leading up to that, I remember I was always trying to find creative and strategic ways to get my friends in and connect them. And, you know, and now I'm at a point where I'm like, this is one of the things that inspired this podcast is because I'm like, I can't like one-on-one mentor everybody. Hugh, you know, has almost 19,000 members. A lot of those folks are C-suite people. They are executives. They're senior, right? They, they, they're good. And also a big portion of them are people who are new to the industry and they need support and they need guidance. And I'm like, how can I, how can I create tools? How can I find a way to maximize impact and help as many people as possible and that's one of the reasons we created this um, this podcast to serve as a tool. And I'm I'm hopeful that it'll do just that. What do you think? It. Yeah. What do you think is? What about your mindset? What is unique to your mindset that supports you in thriving? Because I feel like you are thriving in this industry. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know what? I had lunch with, with two of my mentees last week and we actually talked about this. Um, I would say in my job, I deal with a lot of conflict, right? Whether it's conflict directly at me or just the fact that, you know, part of my job is to find a way forward. When everyone has their own uh, opinions, I have to find the middle ground and push us forward. And I just really... I pay attention to the the energy that it takes for me to do something or to bring people together. And I just create my boundaries. Like I am not exerting more energy than I'm willing to give to something or more energy than I have. So a lot of the times, like if people call me patient, and I don't know if it's that I'm patient, it's just that I'm refusing to give you the energy. So a lot of the times I let people have their moment. You need a moment, have your moment. Like you're angry you know what, go ahead, you're going to have your moment, get it out. And I, I detach it from me. Because if you're having your moment, I don't see this as you winning over me, right? I see it as I'm winning, because I'm protecting my energy, and I'm not giving into you. I'm not giving you what you want to get from me. So I, I think I, I've made it to where I am, because I have a good balance of depersonalizing things. I want to look at the issue, I want to address the issue and fix the issue. I have enough confidence in myself to either identify if I am the issue or to confidently know when I'm not the issue. 
I don't have a problem saying, hey, I messed up. I was wrong here because I'm not perfect. And I'm not allowing you to hold me to perfect standards. I am a human being. I do have the right to make mistakes. What I will promise you is that when I make mistakes, I will fix them as quickly as possible. That's what I do for my team as well. That works for me. I make and because I find like the forgiveness for production making a mistake is not the same as when producers or other departments make make mistakes. So what I do for my team to protect them is I tell people also like this is the way I operate. We are not perfect. We are not machines. We will make a mistake. I'm not guaranteeing you no mistakes, but I'm guaranteeing you what those when those mistakes happen that we will fix them. So I do think that that is one of the things it's like, and that's not something you could teach either. It's like a personality thing. It's like building up the confidence in yourself. So what I talk to people when I'm mentoring them, I work on building up your confidence. I find that when you believe in what you do, when you believe you're great, forget whether someone else believes you're great. When you believe that you're great at what you do, you will be surprised at how you brush off things. Now, I'm not saying that nothing makes me mad. Like things make me mad. Things frustrate me. I hate meetings that go nowhere. I hate talking in circles. I hate talking about catering. Like I can list out things that irk my nerves. So I am not saying that this is a way that keeps you calm 100% of the time, but it it definitely brings down the stress levels. It keeps you clear-headed and it keeps you focused on moving things forward. I hate when things get stuck. And I really believe my job is to execute. I deliver. That is what I do. (laughs) You are such a phenomenal leader. I mean, like, really, not everybody, very few possess that that knowing that awareness that skill set right like we work in a pressure cooker the stakes are always high there's never enough time there's never enough money there's never enough resources and with all that yes production management is the first the first department to get thrown out of the bus and blamed for things right and to be able like for you to harness that awareness, that knowing, that skill set, and to to that is what's needed leading a team because it trickles down and it affects everyone and it creates a safe space. I literally was uh was t- I tell my team this all the time. I'm like, I don't care that you made a mistake. That like that this is a safe place where we all get to mm-hmm. fail and mess up and figure and make ourselves better. We get yeah. to do that here. It's about how we how we handle it, how we move yeah. forward. I was telling the, the podcast team the other day, I was like, to to expect us not to get this thing, to, to expect us to always get this thing right is to have to, to let yourself down. Because if one thing I'm going to guarantee you is I'm going to mess up. I'm not going to get mm-hmm. it right most of the yep. time. Yeah, exactly. And that is okay. Right. It's That's okay. okay. It's That's okay. okay. And- People, there's not enough people in this business who accept that. Like the pressure, like you said, the pressure cooker, the pressure that's put on. And and I think I do a good job of like deflecting that pressure. I'm like, listen, this is what, this is w- how I operate. This is how we're going to work. Like, it's just, it's all going to get figured out. I, I remind people like, have I let you down? Have I failed? Have we not made a show? No, we're going to make this show. We're going to figure it out. I mean, I've had snowstorms that have stopped us last, like right before the pandemic. No, last year, I think it was actually when the snowstorm came to Texas, we were on our way to Texas and I had to figure that out. I figured it out. I adjusted the schedule. We went a little bit later, but we got there and we finished on time. I have had someone, I had a freight um, elevator operator dropped dead in the elevator and we had to figure out what to do call his family call the ambulance deal with it and we 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 got through it we gave him the respect that he deserved and the respect his family deserved but we also got the team moving on a plan b and 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 got to where we needed to be on time i mean things happen things happen life happens and like first and foremost i approach every situation believing that there is a solution there's very very few things that where I say, I'm sorry, we just this just can't work out. I don't believe in burning bridges. This business is too small. You never know when you're going to circle back and need somebody. So I preserve relationships and I believe that 
everything can be worked through. I, I, that's how I approach it. Like a lot has to happen for me to say this is not going to work. I love that. I always tell my team, there is no such thing as a problem, only opportunities. Um, tell me a little bit about all this mentoring you do and how you help so many of us. Yes. Um, I love, love, love mentoring. I think it comes from my mom being a high school guidance counselor. So she was always looking out for students. My sister's a psychologist. So like my mom and sister are definitely in touch with helping people. And I think it just kind of rubbed off of me in that, in that regard. Um, so I love mentoring. Um, I'm the younger sister. My, my older sister was great at showing me the ropes and I, and I kind of just approach it that way. Um, I would say like we're giving out shout outs. So um, Elisa Andrew, um, she's married now. Um, she was one of my first mentees. She came to me as a transcriber. Um, I trained her to be a PA, then a production coordinator. Then I helped her like when she was being a PM and a line producer. Now she's the head of production um, for Time Inc. in their online division. Um, Londe Youssef is another person who I met as an intern. And she worked her way. Yes, she, yes, yes. She is the co-founder of Black Film Space. Yes, I've known Londe since she was an intern. She was my intern when I worked at Lifetime. And Londe is amazing, amazing at networking. I mean, honestly, if you're ever going to do a podcast about networking, you need to get Londe on it. Like she knows how to work a room. She knows how to, she knows networking. So she, I got to give it to her. She did a lot of the reach out and making sure we stayed in contact. And um, we were just actually, she's who I was at dinner, um, dinner with last week. And um, we were talking about how she, I gave her opportunity to be a production coordinator for me and it didn't go well. And we had a conversation at the end where it's like, this might not be for you. You might need to do something else in the business. And she was just like, she appreciated that conversation because it's not what she needed to do. And that's what sent her in her casting direction. She made it to running a casting department for a production company. And now she's doing independent features and directing and producing and like doing, just do, doing big things. And she has black film space. So, I mean, these are, I mean, I literally do not to brag on myself, but I have a track record of people that I've mentored who are in high level positions now and are doing well. And now they're reaching back and doing their own mentoring and pulling people along. So the cycle is continuing, right? Well, I'm a brag of a bomb boss, black female making leaders, who's making leaders, who's building communities, who's shattering records and breaking stereotypes. I just had to brag. Go ahead. Yes, thank you. I mean, yes. So with that regard, like, um, with mentoring. So what I where where I went next with my next level of it is that when I got to Rock Shrimp, we had an internship program and they were asking all the departments like how do you want to contribute? And my thing was like, you know what? Let let the interns work with the other departments. What I want to do is before they leave, so we will start this thing called ex exit interviews. And before they leave, I want to talk to them. I want to talk to them about what they learned in this in this um, internship where they are in their college career and what their plans are. And I want to give them some real tips for how to come out of college and get into the business. So we started doing it as um, exit interviews. And the topics I would just hit with them is career planning, really understanding the sides of the business because it's, um, yes, like you said, we're all creative, but right, just sticking with the division though, the title, like the creative versus management it's not so easy to go between the two roles. Some people do it successfully, but it's not easy for everyone. And depending on where you're working, it's not that easy. So I want them to understand the, the, the different sides of it. Like whether you're taking on a weekly role, whether you're really becoming crew and you're becoming, you're being on day rates, like understanding actually how these roles that you learn about in school break down in reality and how you get staffed and hired for them. We talked about financial planning because I believe that, the way you manage your finances as a freelancer is way different than you would manage it as someone who's salaried. Salary, you know what you're getting. You get the same paycheck every other week or twice a month, you're getting the same paycheck. Freelance, you might have months where you're not getting paid at all. So the it's not impossible, 
but the way that you manage your money is a little bit different. We talk about the resume and how it needs to be a little bit different for TV and networking. What are some good things? And then just some overall tips. And the whole reason is just, I really realized that there was just a gap. There's a gap between what you learn in school and then how to practically apply it to being in this industry and staying in. And um, for our people of color in particular, what I was encountering is a lot of talent, a lot of amazing talent, but walking away because they couldn't afford to stay in the business because you don't have a parent handing you a credit card saying, I'll pay your rent while you chase this dream. You know, like it is, that's the reality. Most of us don't have that. So I was seeing too many people walk away and I'm like, no, 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 no. We got to do something about it because if you stay in long enough, this business pays well. There is money to be made in this business. So I don't want you to take a temporary moment of feeling like you're drowning financially to pass up the potential of like thriving financially because this business does pay well. So that's that's where I started with with this exit interview thing. Um, and honestly, just as it grew and I had I had some mentees that left the our internship and stayed with me and I helped them like I helped um one mentee get from like PA work to producer level work on the Dutch digital side in less than five years of her career which is amazing um probably I think she honestly I think she almost did in three years or so but anyway from there it grew I just wanted to help more people on a larger scale so I created Young in the Arts um which is my program where I Everything that I was teaching in the exit interviews, I teach on a larger, deeper scale. This year, I did it as a four-session um, seminar, workshop, virtual um, session, and we went over the, the things, career planning, financial planning, um, resume, network building, and um, and I do a PA training because once you get the opportunity to be a PA, I don't want you to stay a PA forever. So I'm giving you all the tips to excel get noticed on set and someone will pull you into the department rather than you being staying a PA. So yeah, that's my, and that's my mentoring journey. <laughs> and would you say like PA and intern, if, if someone's trying to get to where you are, is that a good entryway? Um, to get to where I am? Yes. I do think PA is the entryway to everything. You can skip it. I honestly, I just skip. I did not really PA. Um, that is one thing where having my higher degree at least helped me skip that. I didn't really PA. I went straight into being a coordinator. But I think these days, especially since it's so saturated, you are probably going to have to PA just to meet people and get in the business, especially if you have no contacts. If you have some contacts, that's a little bit different. No contacts, you're going to have to PA. Let's, let people see your personality on set, see if they can trust you with more um, opportunity and responsibilities. Yeah. Awesome. And for anybody listening, like she, she dropped a nugget and you don't even have to be a PA or an intern. I believe everybody should be career mapping. And another word could be strategizing. Another, another word could be, or another phrase could be uh, goal setting. So whether you are you know, whether you are the head of a production company and you're ready to make a transition or you're an associate producer or wherever you are on the on the poll, we all should be career mapping and, and checking in with goals and, and constantly taking uh, inventory of, of what we've created and where we're headed. And is this this program that you have, is this open to anybody like, how do people find it's it? For it's for college students. It's for college juniors and seniors. And sometimes I take recent graduates, depending on what the story is. So there's an application where you just tell me a little bit about yourself. And for the those who have graduated already, if I feel like I can help you, I will add you to the program. But if not, it's really designed for um, college juniors and seniors because I want to prepare them and give this and them this information before they get out. And um yeah, and I honestly, they've, they've all, like, the feedback I've gotten so far is they benefit from the financial planning a lot. A lot of them are just like, I didn't even think about it. I said I'm going to graduate and move to L.A., and I never stopped to think about what the cost would be or how to plan that out or how to, you know, think about the fact that now i got to pay rent. So that has helped them a lot. And then the career planning, like you just said, like, I really, really advocate that because 
sometimes your opportunity to get in might not be exactly what you want to do. And I've seen a lot of people get in and then get pulled into a different direction. And the money's good. You stay there, but at the end of the day, you're not happy. And then I have people coming back to me like, oh, I'm stuck on this side. This is not even what I got into the business for. I want to do this. So I find that when you have a plan, it helps you like stay on track. You don't get sidetracked. You don't follow the money. Yes, money is good. I'm not going to lie and say it's not, but I want you to follow your dream. Another reason why I advocate for career planning is that um, you'll get a lot of no's in this business before you get yeses. And I've seen too many people where, because actually the way I coin it is know your exit before you enter. That's how I, I stress the whole career planning, know your exit before you enter. The exit is what I call like your take a bow. Like where where would you happily exit and retire from this business? What is a dream thing, job? Where would you feel like you you accomplish everything you set out to do in this business. That is your exit. Then you enter and you work your way up. And I encourage knowing, even though it may change, it absolutely may change. I encourage you knowing, wanting to know where is your exit? Because when you start getting those no's, I don't want you to leave the business. I've seen a lot of people get the no's and their exit becomes those no's. They leave at the point of those no's. I feel like if you if you define your exit for yourself, then no one else tells you when you leave the business. You leave when you've hit your exit. So it's also empowerment. Like the strategizing and the planning is empowerment for yourself. Remember I said confidence before. Like confidence is key in a lot of areas. If you've picked your exit and you're confident that you can get there, then you're going to keep at it until you get there. Oh, you speaking all all the good stuff. Persistence. <laughs> Uh, there, that's the the faith that believes versus the faith that knows. Keep pushing, don't stop. Don't, don't stop. <laughs> I love all this. Um, and and just what we'll do for people listening that want to know more about roles, we'll post um some resources on in the show notes that outline. You know, this is what. You know, if you want to go from, if you want to get to coordinator, you start as a PA. If you want to get to production manager, you become a production coordinator. So we'll post some some insights to help you understand the hierarchy as you look to see which road you want to travel down. Um, as we wrap out, are there are there any resources that you would share? It could be financial. I love the fact that you brought that up. Not yeah. only, not only, um is living the life of a freelancer different from living the life of a staffer, but the majority of Americans don't even have $2,000 in their savings account in the event of an emergency. And it's important for us. I've walked into, into shows and they were like, I was booked for months and they were like, they pulled the plug. We're done. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Like that is how, that's how unpredictable, <laughs> right? Like now, but, but with, but with being wise and smart and responsible with our funds, right? Like we could be prepared in events when things like that happen, but yeah. are there any resources where you're like, if you're looking for gigs, do this. If you're looking for communities, yeah. join here. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll answer that. And then I also, if we have a little more time, I will give a few of my financial tips. I don't mind sharing a few of them. So for resources, honestly, I, for staffing, I would say like definitely use social media to your advantage. There's a lot of Facebook groups, not just who you know, but there's other groups for staffing. Sometimes they're by city. Sometimes they're by department. Like join all that you can. There's a lot of postings out there. There are other listservs that you can join in Google groups that pass around jobs. So I find people are doing that more these days than going to like posting sites. If you post, I find that my job, at least we post on staffmeup.com. So, um, but I find like, again, we're going more to our Facebook groups and everything like that to, to post. So definitely follow that. Use Instagram to your advantage. Um, I think it might've slowed down a little bit now, but at the height of the pandemic, a lot of people were doing Instagram lives and there was just so much free information out there about how to navigate this business. Everybody was giving their time. I watched Courtney Kemp, a few of her lives, cause I just was interested in about power and how she did all of that. Like I, um, 
there's definitely information out there. So like, you know, on your Instagram, make sure you're following people that you, that, that have the, the life that you're dreaming of. Like there's nothing wrong with that. One of my tips for planning is you, first of all, research, definitely research and how you do it. You start by finding someone that has the dream that you want. And then look at their resume, look at their path, their LinkedIn, their IMDB and see, you know, they like they're they they're there for a reason. They took certain steps. So you can learn even without having direct access to talking to the person, you can learn from from their steps. So I definitely say use Instagram, Twitter, whatever you social media you you like, use it to your advantage um, rather than just talking and socializing, like follow some things that that affect your career. Um, so that's my thing in terms of resources for, um, the financial tips. I will say a couple of things is that I really do advocate for freelancers that you look at your budget as a yearly budget rather than monthly. Um, just because you want to, because you don't know what you're making every month, it's just better for you to get the vision and the plan across the whole year, understand what your goals are for the whole year, and then tackle it that way. So first a yearly vision, then you break it back down by what you can accomplish monthly. You also need a flexible plan because the way you spend money when you're working should be absolutely different when you're not working. And then one of the key things is plan for unemployment. If you go into the year assuming that you're going to work 52 year, weeks of the year, you are already setting yourself up for failure. If your goals are based on 52 weeks of income, I'm telling you now, yes, sometimes you have good years where you do work the whole year, but most freelancers do not work 52 weeks of the year. So why go into your year planning things that way? So plan for unemployment, be prepared. I suggest try to look at um, planning based on 42 weeks of the year. Give yourself 10 weeks of, I don't know what's going to happen. I might not have a job for 10 weeks out of the year. If you work, if you work more than that and you're not unemployed for 10 weeks, great. That's all extra money. That's gravy. But your worst case scenario, why not prepare for that? Right. And then my my last quick tip, because I, I could talk about budgeting forever in a day. I have a whole workshop I do on this that is about a two hour workshop. But um, my last tip will be try not to compare yourself to your salaried friends. I know it's hard because they're planning their vacations in advance. They're talking about their retirement. They're talking about all these things. And you want to know, like, how can you do this? How can I pay off my credit card? How can I pay down my loans? Um, try not to compare yourself because you can hit the same goals they do. Your timing just might be slightly different, but you can hit the same goals. For example, I advocate paying your larger bills, making those big down payments on, on things. I advocated doing it later in the year because I look at a yearly vision and my goals are for the year. Later in the year, I have an idea about how much money I'm making for the whole year. I have a better guess of how many weeks I would have gone without working later in the year. So I, I could be a little bit riskier with my money. I could understand where I'm going. But if you try to pay things off in January and you don't even know what the rest of the year, year looks like, it's a little bit difficult. So that's my last tip is don't compare yourself. Understand that your timing can be... Um, uh, your, your timing can be a little bit different, but are you any less less successful if you paid off in December versus January at the beginning of the year? No, it's still getting paid off. So give yourself some grace. That's such great advice. When we talk next week, we got to talk about how we can package something around finances in so much more detail to really help people. But there's, there's yes, great, love that. Uh, there's, Great teachers out there, Dave Ramsey, uh, Ray Dalio, Tony Robbins. Like there's there's great teachers out there that can teach you if you just if you just listen to their podcast or or read their book or listen to the audio. Like you can learn incredible life saving tips around financing. Um, I will say this: I all of my colleagues have all had um downtime i've had a 10-year career and i have never unwillingly had a dark day and what i'll do for you guys is i will do a special episode or or build something to offer you 
how you can create so much value in this marketplace to where people are clawing to have you on your team so that you you always want to prepare for what there's talks of us potentially going to a recession right like you always want to prepare for for a worst case scenario so you got that 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 change in your pocket but i'm gonna do something for you guys to support you and helping you to understand how you can set yourself up separate and apart to where you are people always have space for you tiffany this is amazing i'm so inspired oh thank you i'm so inspired i'm so 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 inspired grateful for your time you are brilliant i really hope that me and you can do something together around education further to support people like i'm hoping you say yes to me um (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, thank you for what you do for the community, for what for yes. the world. It's people thank like you, you that are changing our industry. So we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I I am here. I am definitely interested in doing more. I want to do more. I want to help more people. I so want to see all of us succeed. I kid you not. I want to spread the thriving. You say I'm thriving? I want to spread it. Honestly, I want to thrive even more too. There's no limit to thriving. So I'm envisioning bigger things for myself also. I want us all to have the freedom. Like one of the things I say is like, I want you to feel the freedom in freelancing because sometimes it feels very restrictive, but it shouldn't. Should it? I want you to feel that freedom. That's my goal for everyone. You got the title. Okay, uh, Trey, as a Ray, we got the titles. Uh, feel the freedom and freelancing, and then know your exit before you enter. Those are yeah. two incredible titles for the episode. I'm choosing one of them. <laughs> thank you so much for your time, Tiffany. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate yes. it. All right. Yeah.